You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On rooms. Today's podcast being recorded on a Tuesday afternoon, what might be the last day of the NBA 2020-21 season, potentially. I don't know. By the time you're hearing this, maybe Milwaukee has closed it out in Game 6. Maybe Phoenix has injected some life back into the finals and has stretched it to a Game 7. Who knows? So exciting. It's going to be a great game, I'm sure, one way or the other. But today's episode is going to cover a couple of different subjects. I'll start off with some conversation about Damian Lillard. Paul Pierce, noted ESPN analyst, former ESPN analyst, that is, and deservingly so. And of course, Heat legend Paul Pierce uh, mentioning something about Lillard that I think uh, Heat fans will be interested in. But also, I wanted to get into a little bit about Bam Adebayo and some of the concerns regarding his tenure with Team USA. And then I'll move on to some draft talk. Draft talk? Why? There's no picks for Miami to make. That doesn't mean that they'll be out of the running completely. Who knows? Maybe a draft day trade will net them a pick. We've seen that in the past when they acquired KZ Opala. Maybe they like a player who slips into the late second round. Maybe there's a player who slips out of the draft altogether that they'll consider bringing in. And I will talk about one of those players in the last segment. But let's start off here. We have Damian Lillard talk because, well, you know, it's Damian Lillard. I have said on previous podcasts that I don't think that there is a realistic chance of Damian Lillard being traded yet, and I think there's an even less of a chance of Lillard being traded to the Heat. I talked about this with my former Heat co-host, Wes Goldberg, on Locked on NBA for Tuesday's episode, so definitely go and check that out if you want to, but I'll bring it up on this podcast as well. We talked about some of the recent comments from Lillard, some of the reports that we're hearing, and then what we think is going to happen next when it comes to Lillard. So the latest is that a few people have mentioned Miami within that group of potential teams to acquire Lillard service. I think there's Golden State, there's the Knicks, there's the Heat, there's the Lakers, I believe. I want to say... Indiana, maybe I'm misremembering there, but there were a couple different teams that were linked to Lillard as a potential landing spot for a trade, and I think, obviously, Miami has been linked as one of them. He is a very good fit for Miami. It makes a lot of sense, and as I mentioned earlier, Paul Pierce, on a recent episode of the uh, Up and Smoke, all, all the Smoke, excuse me, All the Smoke podcast with uh, a couple former NBA players mentioned about Lillard that he, he thinks Miami would be a good fit. He says, I like that they got a lot of young pieces if they don't get rid of Jimmy Butler. And you can find a way to keep Bam, try to dangle some of them other little pieces, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and you can bring Damon there. I think those two are realistic. I would really look into that. I mean, take this for what it is. It's Paul Pierce, right? He's offering his opinion. He's no more qualified to do so. In fact, he's probably significantly less qualified to do so than I am. And his expertise and familiarity with NBA players uh, should not be something that translates into the media realm of things. But as far as his overall opinion, he's not wrong. I, I, I think we've all been pretty consistent about this. There's no denying that Lillard in Miami would be fantastic. 
as a playmaker who would make things significantly easier for everybody. Just imagine the kind of shot creation that a player like Bam, the opportunities that he would get. He's no Yusuf Nurkic. This is an actual polished offensive player that can do a lot, that can create plays himself. You would run incredible offense with Lillard initiating and Butler translating more into a much much more Wade-like second phase of his career as an off-ball cutter, learning how to play alongside LeBron James. That's where Wade took his game to another level, and I think Butler would similarly do something he, like that he, with Lillard because he wouldn't have to be the primary initiator. And then you've got a tertiary playmaker in Bam Adebayo. All of a sudden, you've got three really good playmakers in that starting lineup. You know, you you leave the defensive, the bulk of the defense would fall, of course, on Butler and Adebayo. And, of course, then you have fantastic playmaking ability, shot creation, shot making from Lillard. Look, it's a no-brainer. Anytime you can add one of the top 10, 15 players in the NBA to your roster, a guy who changes the game because of his incredible scoring, I think you obviously go and try and do that. The conversation has to shift, though, onto what Miami can offer. And you look at the incredible treasure trove of everything that Houston was able to acquire. And some question whether or not it was too much or too little and that it should have been more and things of that sort. But I hate to use this word. And I, I'll first of all clarify that the, the commodification of players as property and things of that sort. I don't like that language. I'm guilty of it. I don't know any other way to talk about this. So please accept my apologies for it because honestly, I wish I wish there was another way I could talk about a player being traded, but it's impossible to me in any case because I just, I just don't know the language that I could properly use in order to describe how you package a player and picks together other than as dehumanizing them. And so it's... Again, something I'm not comfortable with as a person, as a reporter, and as somebody that covers, you know, human beings that play a sport, I hate talking about them in this way. So I, I'll add that first and foremost. And I think that's something that we should all try to incorporate a little bit more, even when we're talking about players being traded and, you know, draft picks and things of that sort. We all tend to kind of dehumanize these players, and it's something that we should definitely be a little bit more mindful of. As far as Lillard... When you look at what happened in Houston with James Harden and the fact that they were able to acquire, I don't know, numerous pick swaps in addition to numerous first-round draft picks from bad teams and other a couple of additional players to help supplement the, you know, the, the whole salary issue and everything else, I realistically, Miami can't offer your your detritus, your unwanted goods, which is basically how you would think of the guys with the most salary to offer, an Andre Iguodala, a Goran Dragic. You know, I think Goran's still a great player, a guy who can contribute. I'm sure Portland would love to have somebody like that there. I, I just I don't think that I don't think Goran would want that too much, but again, that's kind of neither here nor there if Miami ultimately decides to pick up his option and Portland is willing to exchange Lillard and for Goran Dragic, well, I guess you have to do that move. So Goran makes a significant amount of money. Andre makes a significant amount of money. You throw in, I don't know, Hero, Precious Chua, whatever draft picks you can. That doesn't really feel like enough for a player of Lillard's caliber because, again, now the bar is just set so incredibly high. You saw what happened with you know, the acquisition of Anthony Davis a few years ago and, and now – well, we've hardened this past season and on and on. It just seems like every time a quote-unquote superstar is going to get traded, the price tag gets higher and higher when it comes to negotiation between these two teams. And I just, I don't know 
where this is going anymore. I, I understand that from a player's perspective. Look at, look at Drew Holiday. It's a fun conversation to have because now the Bucks again, potentially one game away from the finals. Holiday having a fantastic series defensively and offensively for the most part. He struggled somewhat offensively. Defensively, he's been there. He's been at the point of attack when it comes to changing the series because his defense on Chris Paul has forced Phoenix's offense to shift completely. It's just thrown them off kilter so dramatically where now they have to run their offense so completely through Devin Booker that the ball has become stagnant. It's not moving around. There's no offense to speak of. It's just basically let him ISO and go to work, Devin Booker, that is, and that takes Chris Paul out of the running. When you have a Hall of Fame player who's not able to contribute because of your greatest defender or a perimeter defender in Holiday, that's saying something. The conversation that, as, as it pertains to Lillard and his acquisition, is that Milwaukee made a bold move to throw numerous picks at the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for a player like Holiday, who's older, who's going to get paid a lot of money, is it going to pay off? If they win a title, I think most Milwaukee fans say absolutely it pays off. Similar to the conversation that you could have in Toronto. You traded away young players in exchange for you know, Kawhi Leonard. It paid off right there in one season. It's going to pay off this year for Milwaukee too if they win the title. So those kind of moves, I think, around the NBA are much more acceptable, acceptable than they would have been in years past. I mean, you look at what Miami did in 2004 to acquire Shaquille O'Neal and the fact that they didn't win a title in 2005, I think a lot of people would be much more uh, accepting of that kind of deal. But at the point, at that point in time, people wondered whether or not it was a big mistake. I mean, I look, that's kind of maybe a slight exaggeration, but I think by and large – it's become much more acceptable to, to trade all these players in exchange for a win-now player who can help you win now. And Lillard is certainly that. So I just I can't see a scenario in which Lillard comes to Miami. Let's look at it from Lillard's perspective. And this is, I think, important when it comes to these kinds of conversations. He is asking out of a middling situation in Portland in a Western conference that's next to impossible to try and find any kind of room to squeak by. The Clippers are arguably a very, very good team with Leonard and George and everything else that they have on that roster, and yet they fall short of their championship window. Similarly, the Suns were able to acquire you know, Chris Paul, pay him an exorbitant amount of money towards the tail end of his career, and now it's paid off. The Lakers, they fell short. And on and on. You can go through almost all the Western Conference, and it's very difficult to determine who's going to represent the West next year in the finals. In the East, I think you can make a strong case for the Brooklyn Nets. But when it comes to Lillard and the Blazers, they've just never been able to get out of their own way. They make a, a bad move in the draft. They make a bad move via trades or free agency. They pay one player too much, not pay another player not enough, and they leave, etc. They've got a good cast of, of teammates there. I mean, there's no doubt that roster is pretty solid overall. They just... Haven't been able to figure it out, and I think Lillard is frustrated. Why he would choose Miami, I think it would be a little different for him. I think it would be something that I'm going to talk about in the next segment, which is an improved relationship with your your best recruiting chip in Bam Adebayo. And I think he has to say, you know what, this is a team that I love, that I can be happy here. You know, His connection to the Bay Area is incredibly strong. His connection to Portland because of his philanthropic efforts is very strong as well. That's a huge departure for him. I mean, when it comes to a player at this stage of his career, they have to be willing to accept these big kind of changes. I mean, we all take that for granted. 
it would not be easy for the Locked On Podcast Network to trade me to Portland all of a sudden, you know, to be able to cover the Blazers and have to be able to adjust to that life and, and everything else. And that's, you know, that's considering you have to move and pack up your families and everything else. And dang, Dame's got kids. You know, he can't just pack up and leave all of a sudden from Portland to Miami. It can't be that easy. It's the other war- It's the other side of the country. It's a huge gap there. And while players travel all, all over the place throughout the regular season, and he's going to be spending most of the summer in Tokyo, I just it's still going to be very difficult to make that transition. So it is, it's just a little hard for me to see him embrace this change. Now, would he want to play for Tom Thibodeau in New York? I still don't see that either. I mean, obviously he'd be a huge upgrade there because their point guard position other than Derrick Rose has been pretty lacking, I'd say. And maybe they have enough talent there. I love young players and they can throw whatever Portland wants their way in order to acquire a player like Lillard. He'd be a star in New York. Maybe that he, maybe that's what he'd love. And certainly, I mean, with a guy who, who does have a pretty strong entertainment background as a rapper and musician, I think Lillard would probably be interested in New York as a possibility. I don't know. I mean, I'm just not sure how much of the West Coast, East Coast thing is going on there with his his own rap career. I don't know if he sees this as something he can continue to do outside of his own playing career. I'm sure he's focused right now, first and foremost, on basketball. It's, it's an interesting conversation. I just struggle to see how Miami could find a way to get in there. Now, that, that's not to say they're not doing their due diligence. That's, this is the heat we're talking about. Pat Riley is having these conversations, and I'll mention it before, and I'll mention it again. These things don't happen right away. There is no smoky room. There is no bright red phone sitting in a corner somewhere with a dim light hanging over it when all of a sudden Pat Riley makes the call to acquire said player. That's not how it works as much as we'd like to picture it that way. Maybe in a Scorsese film, not in real life. He's having these conversations with Neil O'Shea. He's talking. Andy Ellisberg's crunching the numbers. They're trying to figure it out. They're seeing what they can do. You get a third team in there, maybe a fourth team to try and smooth things out. Maybe you translate one player on the Heat roster for a couple picks. Then you throw in those couple picks and turn that into another pick and so on and so forth. And then eventually you build enough of a package that might be palatable for Olshay and the Blazers. This is the biggest move of Olshay's career. I'm no fan of his. Uh, he's screwed the pooch tremendously, and he looks like a jackass because of how he handled the Cha- Chauncey Billups situation. The more information we see about the Blazers front office, the more dysfunctional it seems. I'm sure Lillard is probably very interested in leaving that franchise, even as even though it's his only team, it, even though he wants to win and Portland probably doesn't give him a good opportunity, I still think he wants to be able to leave that franchise because of all this dysfunction. He's probably just done and needs something new. But he's also interested in seeing how they handle this offseason and the moves that he can they can potentially make in terms of the draft and free agency and things like that. So I don't think they have a draft pick. I don't know what they're going to be able to do in terms of free agency or trades either. So I don't know that any potential shakeup is going to be enough to satisfy Lillard. From Olshay's perspective, look, he's probably on his way out one way or the other. If he keeps Lillard and they squander the season yet, yet again, then it's going to look bad on him after, again, many numerous mistakes between the Billups hiring and everything else. If he trades Lillard, they're going to lose, and he'll probably get fired anyway. So for for Olshay, maybe it's a chance to salvage what's left of your reputation as a savvy negotiator or a guy who can get a good deal done. We'll see how he handles it. And as much as I'd like to see Lillard in a Heat uniform sometime soon, 
I'm a little skeptical that it might happen. But anyway, I'll talk a little bit more about Bam Adebayo and how his role on Team USA will absolutely benefit not just him, but also the Miami Heat. But first, let me tell you a little bit about this episode being brought to you by Green Room, the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you in Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news or rumors. I, I keep saying I'll get into it. I'm going to try and do it more. I had one experience with it and really enjoyed it. I've gone on a couple times to listen to other shows. I really want that opportunity to continue to speak to you, all of you, uh, my listeners, because it just it's a much more direct interaction, and I think a lot of people really appreciate that. So believe me, if you want to get into a fun way of talking about the sport that you love, and I absolutely believe that you all do, then Green Room is the one for you. So go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and I can't wait to join you all there. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Team USA is in Tokyo. That's it. Bam Adebayo has joined the rest of his teammates for the American Olympic men's basketball team, and they'll be there competing over the next few weeks. We'll see what happens as far as their chances of meddling. I'm not as confident as I'd like to be, but one thing I am confident about is that it's going to be a positive experience one way or another for Adebayo. Let's look at it from a worst-case scenario not about BAM or any kind of injury threat or anything like that. Those things you cannot control. I don't even want to think about them. Don't even want to put them out into the universe. But as far as whether or not the American team will medal or not, this kind of thing usually provides a strong impetus. We saw this from players in the past. If you wind up going here and falling short of your goal, and that is the goal, to medal and to win gold, then I think that is an inspirational thing for these guys to be able to come back and, and say, you know what, we can be better, we can do better. I think Bam is going to have a long-term commitment to the USA team because, look, he's young, he's single, he's 24. I mean, he just turned 24 years old. He can be a part of this unit for a while. He can be an anchor on that team defensively. He could be your next Carmelo Anthony type, and I don't see why not. I think he is you, – you, and I've had a chance to listen to these players on Zoom interviews and see how they respond to him. I mean, we're talking all-star level caliber players. All of them have something positive to say about Adebayo. And Draymond Green talked about how he is learning from Bam. Draymond Green, three-time NBA champ, potential Hall of Famer, game-defying defensive player, playmaker, the kind of player that we want Bam to be or that we see Bam capable of being. And and Green has talked about how much he's learning from him. That, that's huge. Like, I, I don't think you can understate that in any way. I, I just think it's, it's impressive to think that Draymond Green is able to at least say publicly, look, you know, I, I love being able to work with Bam to see how he goes about his business and vice versa, which is why. And I'll harken back to a conversation, an episode that I had a couple weeks ago when everybody was really reading too, too much into Bam Adebayo's comments at Heat, Gen uh, Heat Junior Summer League camp when he talked about Tyler going to learn work ethic from uh, other players as part of the select men's basketball team. Guess what? 
Draymond Green's still learning it, and so is Bam Adebayo, and so is everybody else associated with this. We really, really wanted to pile on Tyler for absolutely no reason whatsoever. That's a whole other conversation. As far as Bam is concerned, he's been a positive impact there. He's making plays, playing defense. Everybody sees this. And so I've seen some kind of brushback on whether or not he should be a part of the Olympic team because I think, look, the concern with Bam Adebayo is that he has to continue to develop little skills, the mid-range jumper, the long-range jumper, find out how to unlock his offense so he can be a much more aggressive player. I think this is the kind of language that we're all using when it comes to assessing what Bam can and can't do and what he needs to continue to improve as he moves forward in his career. That's all fine and good. I I understand that. Look, he'll come back in time to still be able to put in some work before the Heat start camp in September. I think he'll be fine before they start off training camp in October. It should be fine. Bam, like most basketball players in today's world, are probably playing – or training or doing something basketball related about 49 weeks out of every 52. That's just a reality. Whether they go and hit the gym or do weights or doing metric training or doing agility drills or running or just working out or playing games, all these things, all this is part of what these players do during their offseason. I remember even like players in Orlando when I first started covering teams and seeing them up close as to what they were doing. Like they would lose – they would take two weeks off, and they would come back right to Orlando. Like it's, This is Orlando. As much of a bad reputation as the quote-unquote city of Orlando has, as not a destination, things like that, players would come back, put in the work, and immediately get right back into it, even after going through a 50-loss a season. That's impressive. Imagine what it's like for a guy like Bama to buy. We saw him already before Team USA, before the, LSA, the, the Las Vegas training camp he was already putting in the work at the american airlines arena we've probably seen him doing i'm sorry he was working with uh stanley remy locally like he, he just continues to put in the work so i don't i am not too worried about whether or not he puts in the work or not and i think his goal and and this is from a, a, a recent quote he says i want miami to think of me as one of the greats to come through the city i want to be able to warm up and see my name in the rafters a lot of guys don't get this opportunity, meaning to be part of Team USA. So my goal is to just make sure that I seize this moment and not mess around with it. Isn't that what we want to hear? Like, isn't that what you as fans all expect players to say about these opportunities? I can't find any dark cloud to this silver lining whatsoever. I just, I see his involvement. I see his enthusiasm. And I see the fact that he's building these relationships with players. Like, we all talk about this as a recruiting tool. And there's no denying that it works that way. These are human beings interacting with one another. And they form friendships that last a lifetime. You, you know that little group over in, uh, what's that city called? New York? Uh, what's that little borough? I want Brooklyn or something? Those three players that are there, their friendship started off being part of Team USA. Now, DeAndre Jordan is still in the league to some degree because of his ability to coincide alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden, of course. And that little group, that all formed their friendships traveling together as part of the most recent Olympic experience. That's what this is going to be doing for Bam Adebayo. To, look, he, he had a great opportunity to start a friendship off with Bradley Beal. We've seen him cozying up to Jason Tatum. Like... I mean, it works both ways, people. We can't deny the possibility 
that I'm sure Tatum's recruiting him to Boston. Tatum, a St. Louis guy. There's no team around that area that he could uh, lure Bam to. Maybe, maybe they're trying to form something else. Look, you know, Kyrie's from Brooklyn. KD is not. It's, we see it all the time. Maybe, maybe they could join. Maybe Bam could bring Tatum down here, down the road. Who knows? I mean, look, this is all speculation. It's fun to have these conversations because I like seeing these guys form bonds and say, you know what? Come on, man. Let's come play here. Come join this team. Be a part of something. And maybe there's frustration with what's happening here or there in Portland or in Boston or God knows where. And a connection with Bam Adebayo is all it takes is convince a player to say, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to do something. Hell, it paid off in 2010. I think that worked out pretty well. I know that Dwayne and LeBron had a pretty strong friendship even before they became teammates. That was a hell of a risk to take, by the way. As friends, working together is never ideal. It's always a risky proposition. The fact that their friendship persevered through four years of being teammates together where there was obvious tension because, well, you're traveling with them constantly. There's high stakes involved when you're competing for a championship and everything else that involves. I just, that they're still friends today, pretty strong indication of how strong that friendship is. But as far as Bam is concerned, I see nothing but great opportunities for him to prove that he can be an all-time great for the Miami Heat. That's what you want to hear. That's encouraging as hell, and I am going to continue to bang that drum and encourage everybody to do the same. But first, let me also encourage you, go take a chance on Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had. Look, you know, there's so many delicious flavors. You can go and try them all. My family loves them. My wife loves them. You know, coworkers, everybody that I talk to that has tried these Built Bars, a really big fan. Again, you try all these delicious flavors. You can get a mixed box with different flavors. Mix and match. Pick your own. You can try the a limited time only flavors like grasshopper cookie that tastes like a thin mint. Or you could, you know, get the Built Bar that is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team in Tokyo. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your first order. But only if you use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And when it comes to reliability, nothing's more reliable than a company that's been servicing customers online for 20 years, two decades of reliability. That's RockAuto.com. You can go to a storefront. You can see if they have the parts that you they, you want, that they happen to carry. Maybe they'll have them. They look it up on a computer. What's the point? You've got computers on your phone or at home with access to RockAuto.com. It's an easy-to-use website, so easy to navigate. You find the parts you're looking for all at a low, great price. The same prices that are available for everybody, whether you're a mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer or somebody that just wants to save money on auto parts then rockauto.com is the one for you, a family-owned business that's been serving customers online for two decades plus. They have everything you need, from brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil and even new rugs and carpets, so much of what you might possibly need. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us, and write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey 
featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrine and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's the draft. If you haven't been listening to the Ultimate Mock Draft, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're finding out a lot of great information about some of the young players that will be helping usher a new age in the NBA and, of course, what teams are looking for what and everything else. It gives you a really good understanding of what 29 other fan bases are looking for. I, I think it's so important to have that kind of nuanced perspective. But more importantly, look, everybody loves the draft, right? You're finding new players. You're going to get them on your team. Who knows? Maybe it's a generational-type talent. Maybe it's somebody who can change the course of your franchise. Maybe it's somebody who doesn't wind up reaching their potential until much later when they're on another team. Those things happen. But when it comes to the Miami Heat, obviously, without a draft pick, who knows what they'll do between now and the draft of just a few days away. Maybe they can acquire another draft pick, but if they don't, is there a player that they could potentially grab that might slip past the first two rounds of the draft? Possibly. I've asked for a couple of names and suggestions. I think there's a couple out there that are worth talking about that I think have been uh, mildly interesting that might be on Miami's radar. I got this one sent in via DM over at Locked on Heat. I think Miles... Made a pretty good suggestions here uh, regarding McKinley Wright the fourth, a point guard from Colorado. That is his suggestion as far as a player that Miami might consider if he slips out of the draft and is likely to do so. He's a four-year player. Obviously, the Heat love that. No connection necessarily to the University of Colorado where Wright played his basketball, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't be enamored with his strong work ethic and the fact that he's a little bit more mature. Think uh, Norris Cole, you know, another guy who spent a long time in Cleveland State, didn't have a lot of buzz there, but wound up being a contributor on a Heat team that wound up winning two straight championships there. So I think a player like Wright certainly fits that model. Six feet, 190 pounds. So some, I think I want to say about a six, four, six, five. Wingspan, I think he's got the kind of size and length that makes him a, well, a bit of a risk, but also a guy who has an NBA-ready type body. Look, his strengths are that he is polished offensively. He's got a good floater, hell of a passer. I think he can make sharp cuts and reads. I think he understands how to use pick and roll very effectively. Clearly, that's a strength of the NBA and something that a point guard would absolutely need. So I think... You know, he can he can score from beyond the perimeter, too. I think he has some range there. He shot about 30%, uh, 33%, excuse me, throughout his college career. So there are doubts about his long-range shooting, but I think he can continue. The mechanics don't look off. They can be tweaked. They can be, I think, improved. And I think he can probably get to closer to mid-30s, maybe high-30s if he continues to work at it, which there's no denying that he will. I think there's also some great defensive tenacity there. Very determined, goes under through screens, uh, does not quit, won't get hung up on a screen, won't die out on a screen there. I think he continues to use his length and his wingspan very, very effectively. If for some reason a player gets past him, he's still able to recover well. He moves his feet, uses his length, has great timing. So if you get that shot off, he'll be able to block it or at least impact it and alter the shot somewhat. So I think there's a lot of 
positives there. Now, there are also some questions about, one, his size. I think is a, the biggest question is whether or not he can continue to, to take his skills and apply them at the NBA level because he's somewhat shorter, somewhat smaller than your typical guard. I think there's also questions about his shooting, whether or not he can continue to be a, a capable scorer. And if that's the case, well, I mean, I'm just not sure what his role might be. Defensively, uh, look, he's, he's very, very good. I think that's where he's really stood out the most. But if he's going to, you know, have a hard time dealing with bigs in today's NBA, if he can't switch, that makes it a little bit more difficult, clearly, with a team like Miami. When you have a guy like Kendrick Dunn who can't really switch effectively, when you have a guy like Victor Oladipo who you're hoping can eventually come back from injury and be much more of a factor and can pick up bigs and, and switches and, th- and things of that sort, I think you'd prefer to have somebody that, with a little bit more size. I think while Wright has the heft, I'm not sure that he has the enough size to really contend. He's not Kyle Lowry. He, he can't handle those yet. Now, that's not to say that he might not get there at some point, but right now he just doesn't have that in his back. Overall, I have concerns because of his size, because if you're looking at a guy who's not a great scorer, I think you, you have to question whether or not he's, he's going to be able to be much more effective out there than, I don't know, Gabe Vincent. And if that's the case, why would you take a chance on somebody like that? Conversely, he's rated very well. Uh, he's been, I think ESPN had some really kind words about him, about how he's handled the, the draft, uh, um, combine that he's been one of the players that has really stood out because he's been very mature because he's responded well in, uh, draft interviews and things of that sort. He's just a guy that has really stood out to teams and he's really showing that at 22 years old, he's ready for a much bigger role. Uh, his defense is what's really stood out so if somebody's looking at a, a, a you know a little player a smaller player let's say not little a smaller player that can come in and be a spark plug defensively and maybe initiate offense maybe occasionally get their shot going then a guy like Wright really makes a lot of sense there and again there's that maturity there's the the tenacity defensively there's the playmaking uh, ability those things kind of scream more of a, a traditional point guard, maybe an archetype that's no longer as effective in today's or isn't as as frequently seen in today's NBA. And if that's the case, I have a hard time seeing what his fit could be on this Heat roster, which isn't to say that they don't like those kind of intangibles. The fact that he is a dogged defensive player, the fact that he can make the plays for others, that he is willing to sacrifice his own statistics because he's such a good passer and things of that sort. And he is a hell of a sharp passer too. I mean, for an offense like Miami's that often looks stagnant and with their ball movement being what it is, it has been over the last couple seasons when it's when it's really rolling and when it's primed and, and, and everybody's sharing the ball effectively, a guy like Wright, would probably fit in very well. And again, four-year player, all the different intangibles and things of that sort. I don't know. I, I could see him being a, a G League prospect. That's going to take some time. I can't see him being a contributor right away. And if that's the case, and you've already got Gabe Vincent on the roster, I'm not sure why you take a chance on right. You'd probably want somebody a little bit different, more of a wing player, or a bigger guard that can handle a different role there. You want to be able to develop somebody that has potential. If you're going to take some time to develop a guard ball handler type, you know, you already did that with Casey Opala. You're still, it's a work in progress, even though he's shown that he has some skills, obviously, uh, with the Nigerian national men's team. I also have to think that they're probably looking at somebody that's a, a little bit 
different than what they already have on their roster, either at Sioux Falls or on the Heat. You know, maybe a six-five guard, somebody who can handle it, who has the ability to be, you know, more of a stretch player, who can also make plays for another, who can be a type, a scoring type guard as well. I think that's what they're missing. I think that's what they probably want, and that's what they're probably going to develop. I mean, then again, I don't think that Miami was looking for a quote-unquote unathletic potential shooting type player three years ago, and saw Duncan Robinson willing, you know, ready to be uh, take his a, a leap as far as uh, his NBA playing career is concerned. So they know what they're doing. If whoever they bring in, they're confident that they're going to be able to turn and mold them into a workable NBA player. They've just done it too frequently. But with the roster being what it is, with Vincent, with none, with everything else, you'd have to see some significant trades happen over the next few weeks where they would say to themselves, oh, you know what, we're going to have a depleted backcourt. And if that's the case, we need to start bringing in people that can contribute, that can have some kind of role and can be much more NBA-ready than a long-term prospect while right could take some development. At least he brings something, an elite-level defense right away that could be a contributing factor. I just, I'm just i not sure that I'm completely sold, but you know, it's a draft. I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic than your average person when it comes to the draft, and uh, we'll see how it plays out for Miami. Always interesting this time of year. You start to see a little smoke here and there. Next thing you know, there's a roaring fire, and I'm curious to see whether Miami might be standing in the middle of it. Just a reminder, you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat or the direct messages. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. But thanks to all of you most of all. This is David Ramil signing off for now.